Today we're speaking with Dell from New York City. And Dell, you remember the letter? Yeah, I remember it. Like it was yesterday. Like it was yesterday. Oh boy. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. My name is Aldo Martin. And I'm Cousin Eddie. And together, we're going to explore what it's like to be in and leave a religious cult. For more info on the Reclamation Podcast, find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Aldo B. Martin. I want to go back to the spring of 2003. Was that the year? Yeah. New York City. The letter hits. And its impact on New York City is immediate. Would you agree? Yeah. Let's discuss that. How did the people respond? What did the people say? What did the people do? So I first remember just hearing rumors about some letter that was written. Uh, just you know, talking to to, to guys at uh, at the school and campus ministry. So it was just all of a lot of hearsay. And then I started hearing other rumors about folks getting on stage and snatching microphones. And I heard it originated in in the UK, but I didn't know all the details because everything was just kind of floating around from different conversations that I was having with people. But you didn't witness anything as of I didn't witness. I didn't witness anything for maybe two or three weeks until after it had came out. So, did you read the letter when it came when you when you got your hands on it, or did you read the letter when it came out? I did not because I was told it was spiritual porn. Ooh, okay. So you stayed away from it. Yeah, I didn't read it. So when did you start to notice the effects of the letter, though? The first effect that I noticed was I was a sophomore in college. And the guy who ran the campus ministry at the time, he was married and he called me on the phone. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold before you even get there. I got a question. <clears throat> the leadership always sat in the front row. That's correct. So are you telling me that this phone call you're about to get, this is your first visual proof of the effects of the letter? Yeah. Because what I was going to ask was about the front row. Leaders always sat in the front row and... After the letter hit, they weren't sitting in the front row anymore. You're right. You're right. They right. did start so, shifting. And there was actually some dialogue about them not sitting in the front row. Okay. Uh, this is this is this is a this is a very this is a big visual because the leaders always sat in the front. Always sat in the front. And if you were a visitor of the leader or if you had favor with the leader, you sat in the front. And come to find out the leaders were the laziest ones in the group <laughs> in the whole auditorium. They might have been the shrewdest, but they were certainly the laziest. And they sat in the front row, the row of honor. When the letter hit, that wasn't the case anymore. 
describe that. Yeah, I remember going to, we were having service at Baruch, and I remember getting to service in the front row, because we sat on the left, the leaders- Who's we? Who's we? So, the our crew, uh, mm-hmm. the campus folks, we all sat on the left. I never wanted to sit in the front row, because I just felt it was, it was pretentious. However, I remember coming- and looking to the right, this is after hearing all of the the rumors that was that that were being you know all the back and forth about this letter. And I remember the seats being empty, and nobody sat there. I think maybe one or two people went and sat there. Who were not leaders? Who were not leaders? And the guys who were leaders, they they weren't there. And I thought that that was really bizarre. And this is for Sunday service. Yes, yeah, Sunday service. So this is like the first visual of the impact of a letter. Did you realize it has something to do with the letter or no? I figured it did. I figured it did because a guy who was older than me, who sort of mentored me when I was in high school, when I joined the church, because I started to hear all this stuff and it started to give me anxiety and feel uncomfortable. And I had kept in touch with him and I called him. And I said, did you hear anything about this? And he this, said... This what? The, the letter. And so he started to give me his perspective on it. What did he say? He said, well, we think that people, there were... Because he's, he's, he was a finance guy. So the first thing that he said was there was mismanagement of church funds. And he said he's holding on to his contribution. This guy that you're speaking to. Yeah. Because he was, I mean, guy was, he was, he was making six figures. This is what, mid early 2000s. So he was doing quite well for himself. So if you're making, let's say, 100K, he was giving $10,000 a year to the church. So he's a, he's a, he's a big money player. Yeah. Right? Like they, he's valuable to the church. Yeah. Now, this is my next question. After the letter, Lots of leadership resigned. Some leaders like to say, former leaders like to say that they moved on to something else or did this or did that. I think a lot of leadership, I think a lot of the the leaders resigned because the membership declined and some people stopped giving money altogether. Yeah, absolutely. When I, after I had that conversation with and, and, and And when they held it, when they stopped giving the money, then the budget shrank. Yeah. And, 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 and people who were in the ministry were no longer being paid and had yeah. to seek other employment opportunities. Mm-hmm. Go on. I mean, what's really bizarre about that is, for me, having an understanding of corporations, even understanding nonprofits, you always have a, a monetary reserve. And so the fact that they... I mean, these people were leaving... My girlfriend at the time worked for the church, and she got play- paid a lowly stipend of, I would probably say, I think it was $1,000 a month and was given an unlimited Metro card. And they laid her off within two months of the letter mm. coming out. Mm. And I remember telling her, I'm holding my contribution because I'm not sure about what's going on. And I remember her yelling at me because she said, you're, the, you're one of the people who's causing me to get laid off. This is why we got Dell on the program, everybody. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Eyewitness accounts. 
go on. This caused a rift in your relationship? Yeah, definitely caused a rift in my relationship. But that same guy, so I, yeah, I mean, what's really funny is that guy, he said, dude, he's like, why are you getting into, because I don't know, me and the girl started dating once the letter, like, once the letter sort of, this is maybe two weeks after the letter kind of hit the streets and everyone was talking about it. And then, I, you know how it was, like, go steady or get a girlfriend in church. And he's like, you sure you want to do that? Church seems kind of unstable. Sounds like a terrible idea to get into a relationship right now. Uh, should have listened to his advice um, because it, it was a, a bad decision given the un how the, unstable things were. The, state, the, the state of flux yeah. that they were in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, one of the leaders that you had a relation, a personal relationship with, when I say that, like a mentor type of relationship with, he resigned. Yeah. But he resigned in a way that was directly, like, to you. He communicated that to you explicitly. Yeah. And in this, he kind of handed over the keys to you. Yeah. Can you explain all that, please, from the beginning? Yeah. You know, at the time, I was, I guess, being groomed to be a leader in the church. Which is what you wanted. Yeah, which is what I wanted. So I had a conversation with him and told him about my aspirations, and we would you know, get together on a weekly basis and talk and strategize on how to grow, grow the church. And I started you know, going up and doing messages uh, during midweek, being given more responsibility. You're on that path. Yeah, I was on the path, right? And the key was, the agreement was, you know, I'll make sure you're an intern, you get that $1,000 stipend, that Metro card, (laughs) and you get to do these sermons. But regardless of that, you get the props now. Yeah. If you You get the juice, if you you get the juice now. I would get the juice if I doubled my, uh, my Bible talk. In size? Yes. In so, size. like, when we're talking about double, like, if you went from 10 people to 20 people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was the expectation. And that was sort of the deal. So, yeah, I agreed to it. Uh, what was it going to happen? Who knows? But, you know, we, I, I just carried on and continued to do my thing. So, I was uh, heading towards, I remember I was home, and he called me, and he said, hey, I'm not, I'm not coming to midweek service. I'm not coming to Sunday service anymore. And I said, well, why not? And he said, you know, a couple of people approached my wife and were very aggressive towards her. And she doesn't feel comfortable coming back to church. And so we're not coming on Tuesday. If you want to still have service, I'll meet you and give you the keys. You can open up, but I'm not, I'm not facilitating midweek. And that was the last time I saw him or heard from him. Did you get the keys? Yeah. I went and met him uh, well before the service started. I opened up the, cause. What what was that interaction though? So you got the phone call and then you met up with him to get the keys. Did he say anything further? No, he just gave me the keys and it was kind of like, good luck. And that was that. And, you know, attendance at that point, Attendance had started to drop. Yes, it did. And there wasn't, there, 
And I was kind of, I was confused because there was a paid intern there, but he didn't show up because I think they went after him too. What you mean they went after him? I guess he probably had a stern talking to from some people who were unsatisfied with the knowledge that they gained after getting wind of the letter. When you talk about people, you talk about church members. Church members. And so there were leaders that were being um, aggressively approached. Yeah. By members to which the the leaders responded with, "We're leaving." Yeah. There was one that you told me about, and there were some leaders that were challenged by membership while they spoke on the podium. And there was one that you witnessed. Yeah. Do tell. Yeah, so sitting there and the minister is, he was an elder in the church. And he's, you know, doing his usual uh, Sunday sermon. And another guy came up from behind the curtain. (laughs) He came from backstage. Oh, no. And I thought it was I thought it was some sort of performance of something, right? And he came up there and he says, I need to talk to you. I have something to say. And the guy had his Bible in his hand. And while the guy while the, the elder is speaking to the church. Yes, while the elder is speaking to the church. And the elder he briefly addressed him, but he said, and then security came and got the guy. And then I think the guy he didn't the guy who came on the stage didn't even get an opportunity to say nothing other than you know I have something to say and that was it. But then a woman ran down the aisle and started calling him the elder a liar and a thief, and she was screaming at the top of her lungs. And this is while the man in the back of the stage is being removed. He's being removed. Now we got this lady running up on stage from the front. Yeah. So she ran down the aisle. She's yelling at him. I am completely confused. I'm like, what the hell is going on? What's the auditorium reaction? Everyone is shocked. Security comes, you know, escorts her out. And as he's escorting, as she's being escorted out, he essentially says to the audience that every word spoken against you know, God's servant will be met with wrath or something along those lines. And he didn't address what those people's concerns were. He didn't really go into the potential concerns that folks were having about the letter and the instability in the church. He just went on with his message. Mm. Tone deaf in a way. Yeah. Did you witness anything else like that, or was that the only of its kind? I think that was the only thing that... That was the main thing that happened. It was that, um, the campus leader, you know, giving me the keys and not showing up. And then the, the, the sector that I was in, pretty much everyone stepped down. So all of the leaders who were there, they all left. 
Um, they actually, the church did something unique in, in Manhattan, in our group, where they made, they had, they did a vote and they, people casted their vote for who should, you know, be a part of a, what would be, and you know, this sounds very corporate, what would be a transition team. Yeah. Right. And, you know, they voted for, for people and from campus, they voted for people from the singles ministry, marriage ministry, um, to sort of get together and come up with a plan on how to get things going again. Okay. I have a, I had a question for you, but I just, I just lost my train of thought because I'm so wrapped in the story. So now this transition team is voted in to lead the church now. Who was in that transition team? There, most of the folks who were in the transition team were people were got in Manhattan. I don't know if they did it in other sectors, but in Manhattan, they would be the guys who you would consider sharp, right? So it was all the guys who were who were intelligent, educated, uh, finance guys, right? Reliable, yeah, reliable guys who 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 transit who were in, who were part of that group, and. Oddly enough, I got voted into that group. What you mean, oddly enough? Come <laughs> I, on, man. I definitely. This is what you wanted. <laughs> it is what I wanted, but I definitely didn't think that that was going to happen. I mean, partly because I said to myself, I was like, well, there's, there's such and such who's an intern, but he disappeared. Yeah. Um, and so they did the vote. And it was strange because I didn't. During that time, I, I would probably say that was the most difficult time of my adult life because um, my grandmother, who I had lived with, you know, she had, had, I don't know, probably her second stroke and was in the hospital for months at that time. So I'm trying to work. I'm going to school at night. I'm dealing with everything that's going on in the church. And then I also have my sick grandmother yeah. who died, you know, on my 21st birthday in the midst of all of this chaos that was going on. And not just that. I want to add a layer. You said the church, but you were also thrust into a emergency leadership position, too. Yes. So as you're trying to make sense of all this. Yeah, so I would go, so when I showed up, when I got the keys from the campus leader, you know, I I had never facilitated a service or even, I just sort of went off what I knew and went up to one guy, I'm like, you can sing, I need you to sing. And then <laughs> went up to another guy, I was like, hey, you do the contribution message and you do the opening and you pray. And, yeah. you know, I was kind of building the plane as I flew it. That's right. And... You know, we had service and people, I, because I used to collect the contribution and do the drop-offs, I knew how to count it and, you know, get it over to the right people boy, at the end. Boy, baptism by fire for you. Yeah. Um, and I tried to just keep things going, but I definitely noticed, because I remember doing a prayer circle with some guys at my apartment and one guy indirectly gets at me in the prayer. He's like, why was Delshawn voted as the uh, representative for the campus ministry to uh, 
<laughs> I'm sitting there thinking to myself, dude, I didn't ask for this. Mad salty. <laughs> yeah, I, I said I didn't ask for this. And, you know, it was, it was definitely it was definitely a lot of pressure because now, you know, I'm going to Sunday service and I'm being pulled in to be a part of the service as well. And this is not something that I was responsible for before. Yeah. Um, and I I did have a certain level of resentment towards the folks who were being employed and being recognized as leaders in the church and how easily they left. And I lost all respect for them. Um, there was one guy who did stay. And he was unpaid and he still continued to preach and he humbled himself and he, and, and, and I think he did it in a very sincere way and I respect him to this day for that. But most of the folks, with the exception of him and his wife, everyone else ran. They did. They did. And that was a, a, a weird thing for me to process too, because it was... It's almost that they had an escape plan already, you know. Um, a lot of the leaders were able to to dish it to people, right? Throughout the years, they 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 lorded it over us. They they made these these burdens uh, heavy for people to carry that they themselves were not willing to carry. And wait, did I just recite a scripture? Sounds like it. <laughs> oh snap! Still got it, B. Anyway. But no, but they did this. They did this. And then when it was time for them to lead during a time of crisis, they dipped. Yeah. And I feel the exact same way as you. One of the things for me about the letter that was, this was sad. And you and I, we were in the same school together, uh, at least for a couple of years. And I had left the school and went somewhere else to another school. But I remember the time that we were together in the ministry we were, I thought our group of men, of men, I'm talking about, I thought we were a close group. I thought we were a fun group. And I thought we were a group that just grew in number. Did I say anything wrong? No. I remember that spring, it was 2003, it was when the letter hit, but I remember later on that year, one of the guys that was part of our group, he passed away. And it was a shocker, 20, 20 years old. Yeah. And um, all of us went to his funeral. And this is after the letter. And this is after the, the church is a skeleton of itself. But we all went to the funeral. And um, I remember all of us guys who were in that same school, who were in that same ministry, we were all at the funeral. And I was certainly sad about um, our friend passing away. And then when I left the funeral, I was sad again because things would never be the same. And our group would never be together in the same space again. And I think that's what happened. I felt the exact same way. I remember, I think there was a... Either it was at the service or there was a pre-service that, that was held in Manhattan. 
because I know the the funeral um, or the wake was in Brooklyn. I remember you and one other guy. There was you guys were taking an apple. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe this is a figment of my imagination, but this is something I remember. You guys were taking an apple and you were scraping it at the tip of your shoe and then biting as close to where you did it at as possible. And maybe that didn't happen. I don't know. Go on. Go on. <laughs> anyway, so I remember that and I was saying, damn, like I really miss us all hanging out yeah. in the same feeling that you had and I remember getting on the subway and going home and I was like we'll never all hang out like this again like it will I think when that letter hit you kind of knew that things would never be the same you could never go back to the purity that existed Next time on The Reclamation. A cult experience? Yeah. Well, I mean, what I mean by that is everybody has a different experience, even if they're in the same group. Um, you know, we had to uh, pledge to do this for the rest of our lives. Um, we had to um, abide by every rule and regulation. Uh, we had to conform and comply in whatever way we were expected. We spent huge amounts of time sitting in a circle criticizing somebody or each other for something. 